This is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Conserving and accessing capital has never been more important for corporate leaders as they scramble to fortify their balance sheets in an upended post-COVID-19 world. The Financial Executive Podcast speaks with John Gravetti III, partner of the Crows Advisory Services Group, about how senior-level financial executives can keep cash on the books even as little is coming through the door. Thanks for joining me. We want to talk a little bit about sort of the constraints and the really disruption that um, both public and private companies are going through right now um, in terms of liquidity and funding. Um, so I wanted to start off broadly is what do you think are the top three strategies that financial executives should employ when they're trying to conserve cash in the current environment? Well, there's definitely a lot of different levers that executives can can pull to conserve that cash. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm focusing on the conservation as opposed to there's a whole nother list of things you could do to generate cash. Yeah. But focusing on conserving it, um, you, you've really got to focus on the highest priority options, which vary a little bit for each individual company or industry. But the ones that I'm seeing most often used are number one, cutting back on discretionary GNA, mm-hmm. um, forcing your management team to justify every expenditure from subscriptions, IT and, and other related uh, trade shows, training, travel, travel, not that there is any right now, but there right. will be. Um, but finding other options to travel is clearly something that we've all had to do. And I think it'll be a while before we go back to having to ever travel that much than we used to. So, Cutting back on those discretionary GNA is probably the number one thing. Mm. Um, secondly, evaluating your supply chain. Mm. Um, people have been forced to do that mainly because they, they, um, you know, there's a lot of vendors that aren't able to deliver right now. So, right. In, in in evaluating that supply chain, though, you've got to prioritize who are the key ones. And if they're not a key vendor, really, you're stretching the payment terms with them right now. If they're not important to you, continuing to operate in the short term. You've got to kind of pull that lever and say, listen, I'm going to sh- put those guys out there a little bit longer right. and, and we're going to pay the, just the key ones right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the second one that I, I definitely see a lot of. Um, and then third, the one that everybody thinks of almost immediately is personnel changes. Right. But what I, I like to caution people when they're evaluating personnel changes is that, you know, just two months ago, one of the biggest issues I heard from both clients and as well as companies I was evaluating is that they had no people available to grow. Right. Um, they just weren't out there. I mean, we went from full employment to, you know, where we're at now in two months. So you have to be very careful in pulling that lever related to personnel changes. Don't go right to headcount reductions because there's a lot of other things you can do first that will reduce your spend, but still um, are, are not quite as harsh as those. So things that I've seen, um, and, and well, before we get to exactly the things to do, mm-hmm. you also have to, anytime you're doing anything related to personnel, make sure you've got these things vetted with your legal counsel right. and develop a good communication plan. Um, communication is very important when you're dealing with personnel. You've got to keep them 
engaged and motivated. And if you're going to have bad news, it's better to get it all at once. You don't want to drip it out over a longer period of time. You don't want to hit them with bad news this month, next month, and the month after that. You want to try to get it to them all at once. Um, so th that's, well, I think we're going to talk about it probably a little bit later of things that you have to do, but you really have to have a sense as to what it's going to take to help get you through this. But some of the things I'm seeing are changes to benefits, um, eliminations of bonuses and raises are another way to help mm -hmm. conserve cash. People are not surprised when you're bringing them, hey, we're not going to be paying bonuses out. We're not giving out yeah. raises. Um, you know, they understand it. So mm -hmm. it's, it, and I think people, if you present it in the right way, your personnel can help feel better about it. It's important to have this good communication plan for your personnel because you want them to be bought in to what's going on. Pulling all the different levers before you get to headcount reductions are involving them in being part of the solution so that you can avoid more headcount reductions. So if you do things like uh, pay cuts or um, you know moving people even to part-time, I've seen one company that did that and worked with their insurance provider so they could still provide full-time benefits hmm. even though these people were classified as part-time. It's a way to keep them on, get them some hours, some pay, and the full benefits so that they stay involved until we get back to normal. Um, and that's part of the thing you're trying to present is that these are temporary items to help us get through the next three months, six months, and we're going to keep it continuously evaluate what right. the, what's going on. Um, that's a big, important part of your, your communication plan is this is a temporary change. Mm -hmm. We're going to continually evaluate it and eventually we'll get back to normal and hopefully we'll be able to make a lot of this up. Is there a real difference between those strategies strategies between public and private companies? Um, because both good and bad news when you're a public company tends to have a bigger effect. Right. And it's going to impact what your customers think of you and your vendors. And that's important to your operations, not just your personnel and, and your investors. One thing I want to touch on is, you know, you talked a little bit about what um, you can do right now. What about the future? I mean, what ways... Are you seeing that this crisis is upending the forecasting responsibilities of, of senior level executives? Well, a lot of healthy companies have uh, always looked at you know a couple of metrics on a daily or weekly basis. You, you know, you look at sales or shipments or certain production metrics. But right now, looking at a full can, waiting for full monthly results to see how you're doing is not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. You really got to look at things on a much more granular basis. Um, you know, the best companies that I'm seeing now are, are, are looking at things on a weekly, if not daily basis, right. just in order to, to continuously assess a company's viability and to avoid surprises. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is not easy to do right now because you've got a lot of companies that are their management teams are remote. And you're really seeing companies that have not invested in their IT systems right. um, are really limited. You know, because you, you're here, you need more data than you usually had, right. and and you need it, and you, and you're not able to pull it if you if you haven't made those uh, necessary investments. You know, this is the most unique situation any of us have had in our professional careers. Right. Yeah. I mean, is is there even a way to forecast out what this what will happen? Uh, um, you've got to spend a lot more time than you ever had in in conversations with both customers and vendors. Because they're in the same boat, um, customers, you're not sure. It, 
even distressed companies, I've worked with a lot of distressed companies over the years. Usually your vendors are well aware that you're distressed because you've had to stretch them and, and you've had to have hard discussions with them, but you always can rely on your customers. In this situation, your customers could be worse off than you. Right. You're not sure, you know, are, when are they going to be paying you? You know, how, how different from normal terms are they going to be on? So you've got to have a lot better communication with them and be working with them and continuously updating that daily or weekly forecast that you've got. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying the other thing that I would recommend is that you have to really think through your whole cash conversion cycle mm-hmm. now, um, which, which a lot of companies have never had to do. I mean, you right. really don't think about it that granularly of cash in, cash out, because what you'll see is if you're really, um, your liquidity has gotten so stretched that a lot of what used to be your best customers, they have a really long cash conversion cycle. There's a lot of time from when you have to purchase that that input until when when it converts into when they're going to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to consider those investments too. As to that, that's an investment. Are you going to invest in buying those those uh, inputs for this customer when you're not going to get paid? To you know, you got a, right. a month to produce it and 90 days after that before you get paid. That's a long cash conversion cycle. Somebody that that's a lot, a lot shorter um, might actually be a little bit better investment of that precious liquidity. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're describing is the whole concept or correct me if I'm wrong, of a focus on working capital. Would that be? A, it, it, it is. I yeah. mean, that liquidity really is about working capital mm-hmm. um, and, and it's it's a in how it intertwines with your whole operation. Right. Um, but but it is it's a different way of thinking about it than what most people look at. Most people are looking at, you know, kind of net income and, and right. gross profit and gross margin on a monthly basis. Here we're focusing on how are you converting what you've invested in, in your investments into cash and how quickly is that going to happen? And, and literally on a daily basis, you know, can we meet our certain key uh, expenses that we have to pay payroll? Right. Um, if not. You know, what do we have to do in order to, to meet those those obligations that we have? Now, during all this, you know, you're dealing, as you described, with vendors, you're dealing with customers, but there's also the banks and the lenders. What do you see as the best practices in engaging with banks um, when you have cash flow issues or potential cash flow issues? The thing with, with any capital provider is you have to have first a good idea of where you are from a liquidity standpoint and what your ask is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you have to do your homework. You've got to be very specific and thoughtful with an analysis in order to be able to say, listen, here's where we've got an issue. Here's how what we need for you guys to help us with to get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got, to, you've got to do your work. And what we recommend is typically, and it's something you see a lot in distress situations, is create a 13-week cash flow. Okay. which is done on either a weekly or a, or a daily basis. And it's kind of a standard tool, um, but it really focuses you on, you know, how do you generate and manage cash? Mm-hmm. And the you've got to put some effort into it because you want, it, it's not accrual based, it's cash in, cash out. You've got to involve all your management team in there because different people are going to have different ideas about the input. And what you've got to do is put it together and then continuously update it and reevaluate it because you don't want to go to the, your capital providers and ask for something and not have credibility. 
if you right. give them a forecast, which they're going to want to see, almost everybody's going to say, well, prove to me what you need. Here's, here's the proof. And they're going to start tracking it just like you're tracking it. And you've got to be able to sh build some credibility that, yes, we know what we're doing. Here's how we're managing to it. Here's the explanations when it goes, when it's off a little bit. And here's how we're continuously adjusting that forecast going forward. Um, just to follow up to that, I mean, do you think, you know, there's, like you said before, this is an extremely unique crisis. I mean, on, on several different levels uh, in, in the, um, in the, suggestions or the things that best practices you're describing is there a strong management bench out there that can live up to this sort of expectations i mean you have pressures going in to reduce headcount and then you'll have all this extra work involved how do you sort of manage that it's 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 not it is unique the situation it's very unique but it's not that dissimilar from a distress situation mm -hmm. that we've had in other economic downturns. Right. Um, so there are people out there that have a fair amount of experience doing this. Right. Now, they're the ones that have already done things like creating 13-week cash flows and, and having liquidity, kind of a liquidity manager that's, right. that's, that's kind of taken over. It's the, health, the really healthy companies that have never gone through this. I've got clients that you know, have never had a, haven't had, had to borrow money. Right, right. Years. And, you know, how do they get, get through this? That's a little harder because they're not used to this. They're not even sure what information is available in their systems to look at on a daily and a, and a weekly basis. Um, and they're the ones that need a little more help and a little more handholding and where it might make sense to invest in bringing somebody in on a temporary basis to help them produce and, and teach them how to pull together these type of analyses and help provide some resource support uh, in order to get that done. Final question for you. Um, and this is sort of a prognostication sort of question is like, what do you think are the longer term capital equity considerations that, you know, people need to think about financial executives need to think about right now? Well, one of the things I keep thinking about is, uh, it, it, I know it's, I don't want to attribute it to anyone particularly because I've heard it more than once, but you never let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> um, you know, now is the time to really consider how do you optimize your operations going forward? Mm -hmm. um, so things that you've thought about in the past uh, about trying to do, it's something you need to start thinking about now because you've got to get your, your operations right size for what it's going to be going forward. Yeah. So pro productivity improvements, your material and source services sourcing considerations, you know, change your, you may want to ch consider changing your and optimizing your processes that, that you haven't had to do. You've got empty plants right now. Now might be the time to take advantage of that situation and, and reconfigure things in order to be more efficient. Um, going forward, a couple things that are going to be big for everybody is do, do we really need the space we have now? I mean, a lot of companies have found that we don't need the office space that we have because right. people can work more remotely. Um, you know, could we consolidate facilities uh, and, and be more efficient? Are we better off outsourcing certain operations so that we are able to continue to work no matter what the, the type of disaster or situation that we find ourselves in? Or are there certain non-essential businesses that we have within our portfolio of, of operations that we should spin off or carve out. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and here's another thing that, that 
financial executives you need, need to be considering, especially the ones that are weathering this storm a little better than others. Mm-hmm. If you've got the capital, now might be a time to consider looking at competitors that aren't as well positioned as you are. Right. And it's a, an opportunity to consider, you know, acquiring certain product lines or or businesses that, uh, you know, at a, at a much more distressed level, uh, which is a little unique. A lot of people aren't experienced with that and it's scary, but it could be a really good opportunity at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to ask you one final question, uh, sort of wrapping it up all up. You know, when they talk about, not to get overly dramatic, when they talk about the stages of grief, right? <laughs> there's <laughs> knowledge and then there's acceptance. You know, where do you think we are at that, in that process, financial executives? Do they, or do they really, is there really an understanding of the scope of what's going on or, or are we just not there yet? It varies depending on the industry mm-hmm. and the and the, the the management team itself. Mm-hmm. We we recently had a, uh, a a webinar we put on around this liquidity and cost optimization topic, and there were you know almost 400 people on the on the webinar, and I was shocked that there were in one of the questions that we asked, 20 over 20 percent of the people had done nothing on the cost optimization or liquidity side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were just I, I and this was only a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, how could you not have at least done something? But I think that's how shell shock some people are. Yeah. You know, one out of five companies haven't done much. Right. Um, Denial is long, a stage of it. It, it. Right. They're they're at a different stage than others. I, I, I have others that have, you know, for the last month have been working 16, 17 hour days trying to figure out what are the best options, evaluating all of the government um programs right, right. It has been a big focus that a lot of people have spent time on and just evaluating options as to how do you get through this. Some of those people are actually starting to come out of that now. You know, they, right. they got through the big crunch. They made some hard decisions. And now it's starting to get a little bit more to, OK, now what are we going to do when we start to open it up and get a little closer to normal? How can we ramp things back up? Right. Um, so they've kind of gone past that. But it's it's all over the board. It's yeah. not like there's any one uh, situation where this is what's going on. And even companies in the same industry, I've seen different responses to just depending on their health and their management team. Sure, sure. Well, uh, those are all my questions. I want to thank you for taking the time and really appreciate it. No, no problem. Thank you.